Hi guys, Mel Sanders here, intrepid Melbourne reporter for the Nib Section Collector Series. Kevin Yank is a Melbourne-based fountain pen enthusiast with an extremely focused and extensive Lamy collection. I first met Kevin at the October Melbourne Pen Posse in 2018. I also interviewed him quickly at the Melbourne Pen Show, but only just scratched the surface of what he was all about. Being a collector for around 12 months, in this interview we go deep into his main collecting focus and try to work out how he got so deep so fast. Hi, Kevin. Hello. How are you? Good, good. That's good. Thanks for having a chat to us today. Thanks for um, showing an interest in this this uh, this thing I do. Oh, you're my like go-to Lamy, you and Tom. Yes. Whenever anybody has a question, I'm like... Tom's my go-to for Lamy as well, <laughs> whenever I want the official answer for something. <laughs> it's, it's funny, I, I have to always decide. For those who might not know, Tom is like the official... Yeah. Lamy, Lamy guy service in guy in, for all of Australia, I think, that, at yeah. least in Melbourne. We're lucky to have him here. Yeah. So there are some things that I will send to the official email address to get his official answer. And then there are some <laughs> things that I'll send to his Facebook uh, messenger <laughs> because I'm not sure I'm not sure he can give me an official answer. But he's, yeah, he's great to have around. Yes. Um, so I have Kevin Yank with me today. We are going to have a little bit of a chat about his... Um, extensive Lamy collection. I do believe you are kind of branching out slightly into pilots. Yeah, yeah. It's not just Lamy's, but it is definitely mostly Lamy's. Um, we're going to start off with what are we riding with today? Oh, right. Yes. Should I start? Yes, please. I've got a Lamy special Model 18 here. And this is a vintage Lamy pen. And it's from the era just before the Lamy 2000. Uh, came out, and it's it's like that era, era that Lamy doesn't quite acknowledge as part of their history anymore. If you ask Lamy today wh- when they started, it's like 1965, the Lamy 2000. That's where it all began. Yeah. But Lamy was making pens before that, and even under previous name that we'll, we might get to. Mm. But this uh, this Lamy special has the same sort of it has the same sort of semi-hooded nib that you get in kind of the the pens of that era, and uh, it is a cartridge converter pen it takes an international cartridge so oh nice so it's not proprietary like no, the it's modern Lamy. pre-proprietary so i've got a just a diplomat arrow uh converter in there and um yeah it's got a nice surprisingly soft gold nib it actually seems to write better when you push it a little right and uh very smooth and it's got this really amazing kind of gold colored they call it a double cap which I guess means it's like double lined or something like that. I can see the L on the end of it. Yeah, it's got the L on the end of it. A bunch of Lamy's for a period. That's how you could spot a Lamy pen is they had the white circle with the with the L in the middle of it. So um, I'm a fan of all of my pens that have that L on the end. Nice. But yeah, I uh, I inked this up for the first time this week. What's it got in it? It has a uh, good question. It's got something blue. <laughs> <laughs> what was it? Oh yeah, it's. Uh, it's it's not blue. It's the new Lamy Peridot uh, oh, from their Crystal Range. Yes. So vintage Lamy pen, modern Lamy ink, um, and it's very happy with it. It seems like cool. Yeah. Very good. Well, I am writing uh, with my. I think this is my most recent pen. I've seen that one before. Yeah, it was my Christmas present from my husband and child. Can I hold it? The little nib chick. Sure. I held this at the Melbourne Pen Posse a couple months ago, and it's fun to have in your hand. Yeah, it's my Waterman Karen. I put my little French spin on it. Um, Gunmetal finish. 
Uh, and it's inked with Waterman Mysterious Blue. And it has a cap for those that for those that know me and love me know that I don't like cats. Oh, yeah, I was going to say. <laughs> that's, that's an unusual feature to call out, but not for you, for sure. And it has that beautiful um, inlaid nib. I love it because it looks like the Star Trek logo. And I'm a <laughs> Star Trek fan. <laughs> and I am not at all a Star Trek fan. I just like the look of the inlaid nib. But yeah, it's it's a smooth rider. I Obviously, I have to I roll my hand a lot because I'm left-handed. So I am always moving my hand position. And with a VP, the, the clip keeps me in check. But yeah, I have to check myself with this one. But I do love it. I love the finish of it. And it's special. I think it's the first pen my husband and child have bought me. Wow. So, um, with like much help yeah. like here's the link buy it for christmas <laughs> i want a fine nib i Don't wouldn't muck be it sad up. if you happen to buy this for me yeah yeah this is what i want <laughs> all right we're gonna get into the nitty-gritty now um how long have you been collecting fountain pens just about a year now yeah. so so yeah about a year ago i um i've been into pens for for forever it seems like mm. i was th- that kid that i'm i'm assume most of the folks listening are that always wanted to go into the office works or whatever the equivalent was growing up and just like wandered the aisles looking for the coolest looking pen to buy kid in a candy store sort of thing and I think one of the first gifts my partner gave me after we got together and we're like serious adults living together is I I was like um I would really like a nice pen Mm. and um and we, I remember vividly going to the pen shop in Sydney. We were there on a on a uh, just a holiday together, and we went into shop in Sydney. And uh, they talked me out of a fountain pen. <gasps> <laughs> they said, "Well, you got the first thing you probably want to decide is fountain pen or rollerball." Yeah. And I said, "Well, how do I decide?" And they said, "Well, fountain pens are for people who enjoy doing a bit of maintenance, which I think is fair." Uh, but at the time, I don't know if I was embarrassed or on the spot. I was like, oh, no, who's got time for maintenance? Give me a modern pen, please. And so I walked out with a Caron Dash uh, rollerball, which served me well for many years. I mean, it's still over here somewhere. But uh, but yeah, it, it I carried around for a decade and it got well beaten up and well used. But uh, at a certain point, I think I... I subscribed to the Milligram email newsletter and uh, they they just happened to send me a, 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 an issue which was just the Lamy Safari All Black 2018 edition, 2018, which is funny because some people think that's a ridiculous addition to Lamy's lineup. Yeah, look, it's not my favorite. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, But I looked at that and I was like, wow, that's not too expensive. Mm-hmm. It's a fountain pen. I've always been doing the what if I had chosen a fountain yeah. pen that day. So I was like, I'm going to, I'm going to order that. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, enjoyed it so much. I very quickly was researching Lamy to find out just how many of these things there are. Yeah. And it's gotten a bit out of hand. Yeah. I like, I feel like that's kind of your, <laughs> I don't know. How would you put, that's obviously somewhere in your personality that, that just goes, yep. This is for me, That's and now fair. I need to find out absolutely every single thing I can about it. Friends of mine will say, hey, we need to buy a TV. Would you mind finding out what the best TV is? Exactly. And I'm like, sure, I've got a week of evenings <laughs> to research that. Um, and it's kind of similar with Lamy, although I think um, Lamy in particular is a, 
I don't know if I'm preempting one of your questions, but Lamy in particular is a is a fascinating thing to research because everyone else seems to care more about their history than they do themselves. Oh, we'll get into that maybe. Yeah, yeah. So, like, you can't just go to the Lamy website and say and say, "Tell me about every pen you've ever made." They're like, "Yeah, we're not that interested. Can we tell you about our current special editions?" Uh, so, yeah, every little bit of information I found out, every new pen model I discovered, it felt like I was like unearthing something in an archaeological dig, uh, and felt like I like if I could get a hold of it and put it in the collection, I could like save it yes. from history's forgotten pens. Yeah. yeah. Ah, nice. So our very own Chuck from Sydney, Chuck Montano, he did ask, what was the model or reason that spurred the Lamy specificity? Oh, right. Yes. I I would say it's not that first safari. That first safari is what got me to buy a fountain pen because I realized they didn't have to be super expensive. Mm -hmm. As soon as I started looking into Lamy, the Lamy studio jumped out at me. It's this cigar-shaped pen with an airplane propeller sort of clip. Everyone calls it the airplane propeller clip. And um, as soon as I saw that, just the shape, Mm. I don't know if this is what, if this is part of what qualifies as Lamy's Bauhaus style, but the idea of like a very plain thing with one interesting detail super jumped out at me. Mm -hmm. And so that was the second pen I bought. Mm -hmm. How quickly after the first one was that? It was a couple of weeks. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I had I had researched the studio and seen there were a bunch of special editions that were no longer available. Uh, there were, you know, a couple of photos of complete collections of studios out there. I was like, one day I might have every studio finish. But that's crazy. Let's start with one. Uh, yeah, so I picked up the uh, Lamy Studio Racing Green, which was the special edition last year. That year, the the Imperial Blue was also very nice, but that's a regular model. So I was like, let's get the Racing Green before it goes, and then we'll see. Uh, and it quickly expanded from there. I think I started my collection intending it to be a Lamy Studio collection, right? But I kept finding other really intriguing Lamy models, and I was like, oh, I'll get one of those. <laughs> What is the size of your current collection? Uh, if we're talking about Lamy's, yes. he goes to his computerized his database. database. Uh, I've got just shy of 200 Lamy pens, and that's including the vintage artist pens. In that, 12 months. Yeah, just about, yeah. Yeah, this is, um, this is, I'm not this way with everything. This is one, like, this is my only big collection that I have. And, uh, yeah, I could not afford to be this way with everything. I don't think anyone could. Um, I'm, I guess I'm, I'm lucky enough to be able to just barely afford to do this with one thing. And, yeah, who knows? I think for many people getting into fountain pens, if you're a year in, you're probably still in the accumulation Mm, phase, the curiosity, finding out what you like. I've just done that in a very, very big way. (laughs) And I guess I don't know if in another year's time, I'm going to be like, great, these are the Lamis I care about and the rest are going back to to, into the world. But I kind of feel like I do have pens that are not Lamis that I write with, and I write with lots of Lamis as well. I feel like the Lamy collection that I have is not a collection necessarily of writing pens, although I would write with any one of these. Mm -hmm. This is way more pens than anyone needs to write with. This is more of a museum to me. Mm -hmm. Uh, Because I wish there were a Lamy museum I could visit and see every single model, and it doesn't exist, and so I've made it. 
You've made it yourself. Yeah, yeah. cool. So your entire pen collection. Yeah. Which I know also includes some beautiful little pilots. Yeah, um, I'm a fan of the pilot pocket pens. Pocket pens. Yeah. So your entire collection. Would you say your Lamis are about how how big are the pie chart? Yeah, they're about uh, four fifths. Nice. Yeah. I'd be keen for you to expand that pilot range. <laughs> <laughs> I've got some clicky pilots. Lies. Yeah, yeah the they're clicky pilots. The nibs on the pilots are really nice. I'd say they're consistently nicer to write with yeah. than Lamis. I'd say consistent is an excellent yeah. way to describe them. The the I have some Lamy nibs that I enjoy writing with as much as my best pilot nibs, but I have some Lamy nibs that are like, ooh, if ever I want to write with that pen, I'm swapping that nib off. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you don't collect Lamis because all of their nibs are awesome, although yes. their best nibs are pretty awesome. Yes. I have owned two Lamy pens in my time. My first pen was the Lamy Petrol. Mm. So 12 months before you started. Mm. And I've just never been able to get the steel nibs to write consistently enough for me. Yeah. They come also come with a cap. So, uh, you know, <laughs> uh, there's two things I don't like about the pen. So Unless you shell out for a, for a Dialogue 3, which is the twisty one. But it's still not as convenient as the clicky. But, yeah, I, I have written with the gold nibs and they are absolutely lovely. But, yeah, I've never been able to get the Lamis to work for me. So... I have lots of Lamy steel nibs that write amazingly well. And then every once in a while you buy a Lamy pen and it's like, ooh, this is scratchy or this is a hard starter. And you just take it to Tom and he, he fixes it or replaces it. That's the nice thing about being into slightly overpriced pens is they build into the price of these yes. things that they'll fix anything that's wrong with it, uh, which is really nice. Um, is there a particular era or like uh, do the Lamys go in decades? Do they go in... Eras, yeah. Kind of. Is there a particular? There are periods to the Lamy, and and I. You prefer. If you're asking me which one I prefer, I don't think I can choose necessarily. I like the modern Lamys. The vintage Lamys are probably more of a curiosity, but Mm -hmm. there are there are certainly ones from that era that that I love writing with. There are. Let's see. Should we go through the decades? Yeah, sure. Like, Absolutely. My Lamy collection goes back to ones from the 1940s, and that's mm-hmm. back when the company was called Artus, A-R-T-U-S. Those pens are all plastic pens. Some of them have metal caps, but a lot of them are just these generic-looking black plastic pens with gold trim and uh, a, a gold-colored, but not all of them gold-made, although many of them are. This is a 14-carat uh, um, Artus pen. There's an ink window there. Uh, yeah, with a great big ink window. And um, yeah, there's a whole bunch of these. And they have funny names like Balit. And uh, and then there's ones that have no name. That all they have is the word artist on a clip. And someone found it in a, in a shop and cleaned it up and put it on eBay. Yeah. This one's this one's Tom's favorite one. He he said if if ever I write a will, I need to leave this pen to him in it. So it's like a orange semi-transparent ink window that goes about a third of the way down it's the like barrel. It's like an inch la- It's an inch yeah. sort of tall the yeah. ink window. And it's got a spiral black a pattern of spiraling black lines that uh, curve along the body. When the you pen. look directly through it, it kind of looks like fishnet tights. Yeah, stockings. yeah. It's a, fishnet stockings. It's my hypno pen. Um, but uh, yeah, a bunch of these curiosities from back in the day, many of them with really flexible nibs, because I guess that's just how they made pens back then. 
And then some of them are like these super cheap. I'm sure they were school pens.、Mm -hmm. uh, they cost、uh, next to nothing and have really boring、uh, K type nibs, which is like Kugel, which is、uh, German for ball. And、uh, so, yeah, these, these ball shaped nibs. Lummi sells this shaped nib today as their A nib for beginners.、Yeah. And it is the most boring nib to write with, but you can, there's no wrong angle to write it、uh, with it using. And so, a lot of the pens, I don't know if they made a lot of pens at that time with ball nibs, or it's just like that, those are the ones that have survived in the market because no one wants to write with them. So, they sit in collections for a long time. Uh, but uh, yeah, there's a lot of those. Moving on from there, we get into、uh, like a golden age of Lamy's, which is the Lamy 27 period. And this is like the 19, late 1950s through the 1960s, early 1960s. And、um, these are mostly gold nib pens. They're a beautiful, soft nib to write with. They have a, a lot of them have a little、um, sort of pattern around the ink slit, like a line.、Uh, and it's very reminiscent of Lamy's gold nibs today that have the same sort of、um, U shape、uh, gold. Uh, inlay, although this, is, this whole nib is gold colored and it just has a line in that shape.、Um, and they're wonderful to write with. Some of them are、um, piston pens with ink windows, some of them are cartridge converter pens. But the Lamy 27, there was like 30 different models of it and just slight variations. Like、uh, I've got two of them, they're both turquoise here, but you can see just the cap. Yes. Band is very slightly different, and the position of the word Lamy on the clip is very slightly different.、Um, and so, I, I don't have an exhaustive collection of pens from this time, but anytime one comes up for sale at a not unreasonable price、yeah. that, I, that I don't already have in the collection, I'll add it. So, yeah,、uh, Lamy 27 was not an inexpensive pen. They're pretty quality ones that have a really nice gold nib. And my understanding is that after that, they were trying to expand their market a bit. And so they made this thing called the Lamy 99,、yeah. which is like a Lamy 27, but a little cheaper in the parts. It has a similar sort of semi hooded goldy nib. This one's a, this one's a piston as well.、Uh, but my understanding is they were a little cheaper to make and a little cheaper to sell. And、uh, I've got a couple of those as well. The Lamy Special that I said I was writing with, I've got a couple of those.、Um, and I've got one with the, the metal cap and one with the plastic cap. But they're just like the Lamy 27, but slightly slimmer, slightly shorter. And we're talking like a couple of millimeters. We're talking like the Decimo to the VP. Yeah, exactly. And I guess they might have been the ladies' pen at the time. Oh, yes. Or just for someone like me who likes a slimmer pen.、Mm -hmm. Uh, so, I really, I really like carrying around these Lamy specials because、um, they're, they're very subtly, very subtly more elegant. And then I've got some weird ones. Oh, actually, I think that brings us up to the launch of the Lamy 2000,、okay. which is like when Lamy changed.、Yeah. Um, came under new ownership. They brought in an external designer、mm -hmm. and said, Design us the pen of the future. <laughs> Uh, and the, Bring on the Bauhaus. <laughs> yeah. And the Lamy 2000 is kind of where modern Lamy history starts. 
1965, I think, and this is the anniversary that they celebrated the recent 50-year anniversary of quote-unquote Lamy. But as you can see, there's a lot of Lamy that came before that. Like, there's a lot here that uh, obviously people wouldn't know about because of the name change and the ownership change. Yeah, and Lamy won't even tell you. If you send them, if you say, hey, I've got one of these old pens that needs fixing, they're like, sorry, that that was a precursor to the Lamy 2000, and we cannot offer service for it. Yeah. So I've got a couple of Lamy 2000s here. I've got a modern one from, like, last year. And then I've got the oldest one I've been able to find. And you can see, again, the, uh, the L on the finial yeah. at the bottom there. Yeah. Um, and so uh, I, it's... It's a little unclear how to definitively identify Lamy 2000s, but that L is a pretty telltale that it's in the first five or ten years or so. So it's kind of an original Lamy 2000, a current one. There's subtle differences. Um, I don't know. I think most people have probably seen a Lamy 2000, but it's a, it's a generously cigar-shaped yeah. pen um, in this really interesting matte black plastic that they call Macrolon to be fancy, but let's be honest, it's plastic. Uh, and, but it's it's got this brushed finish, and the the grip section is in aluminium, and um, and it has the same finish, such that they assemble the pen first, and then they do the brushed finish, so that the brushing runs from the metal seamlessly into ah, the plastic, yes, and seamlessly from the barrel into the uh, the piston knob mm -hmm. so that when you close the piston knob it is virtually invisible amazing when people first see the pen they can't see the piston knob nice. which is which is kind of my favorite thing about it and all of the threads are like single entry threads so that mm -hmm. you can pull the pen apart and put it back together and everything still lines up yes. um and uh if you pull the thing apart these two pens that were made 50 years apart the innards are exactly the same yeah. shape they're, they're made with different colored plastic, mm -hmm. but exactly the same shape. They haven't changed the engineering almost at all. The biggest difference between these two pens is um, if you look under the end of the nib section there, the, there's a cutout in plastic on the old one, mm -hmm. whereas in the last 10 years, um, Lamy has uh, turned it into a solid metal yeah. nib section. And I guess that's to eliminate a common point of failure uh, that they experienced. But other than that, it is remarkable that this thing looks as futuristic today as the day it was made. And it looks, it looks simultaneously vintage, um, which I don't know if th that maybe is the appeal of Bauhaus to me, mm -hmm. is that it looks classic and um, from 10 years in the future at the exact same time. Uh, and I do love that about these pens. So the Lamy 2000, big, big, Thing. And you can see in some of the pens that were made just afterwards that Lamy knew they had a hit on their hands. Mm -hmm. So this is the Lamy Profile series, mm -hmm. which has the same sort of uh, really chunky clip yeah. as the Lamy 2000. Not exactly the same, but very similar. What I've read is that um, while the Lamy 2000 was made by an external designer, uh, Mueller, I think his name was, these Lamy Profiles were made and designed internally at Lamy. But you can see they were going, oh, yeah, that works really well. Let's yeah, make more kind of, of those. A, a, a sort of a, minute, a smaller, slimmer, cigar-shaped. Yeah, it's right. the same sort of body shape. Yeah, the Profile series is, um, 
you know, it has the similar clip to the 2000, a similar body shape with a, with a almost hidden, um, piston knob. Uh, but the, the, the nib is completely different. So there are these chunky, uh, German industrial design nibs, uh, that are really interesting. And the, the shame about these pens is that, um, Lamy was obviously trying to make a cheaper Lamy 2000 in this case, and the, the bodies often crack. So you have, to, you have to be very gentle when you're pulling these apart and capping them and writing with them because the, the section, the grip section often cracks and then, then ink leaks out of it and it's all over. So these are not as slim, like these are not as streamlined, not slimline. No, no, There is definitely. a step down to the grip section. There is then like it's a... It's a, almost a collar before the nib yeah. so that your your fingers can't go too far down. Um, and then, yeah, the nib is totally different. It's like a technical sort of design in my mind. Yeah. It do, it's, a, yeah, a little more, it's putting its details out there. Yeah. Um, I like them a lot. And some of them, like there's four models of it and ha two of them have gold nibs and two of them have steel nibs. Mm -hmm. um, but, yeah, really interesting to chase those down. And then that gets us into the early 80s. And then very quickly, we, we see the Safari come out. Mm -hmm. uh, and so many colors. <laughs> so many colors. The rainbow. I have almost all of them. There's a couple more still to come. But uh, which ones are you missing? Uh, well, they're, they're the modern ones, actually. Because okay. just like, with, like I did with the studio, there was a limited edition of or a special edition available and a regular model. I was like, let's get the special editions because they won't be around forever. So what's missing here is like just the bog standard Lamy Safari Red with a silver that clip. That you can go down to Milligram and yeah, pick up. Yeah. Cool. So I'm just, you know, waiting for people to put those up for sale when they get mm. sick of having them. And uh, they're a little cheaper to buy that mm. way. I said to Tom the other day, it's not like Lamy's going to stop making red safaris anytime yeah. soon. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I don't mind waiting a little longer for those easy to find ones to come in. But what I've got here is like basically all of the special editions over the years. Mm. And it's really interesting to observe the patterns. Absolutely. As Lamy got, you know, uh, a little greedy at sometimes than a little more greedy at sometimes than others. You can see like they they brought in the orange in two thousand and nine, uh, a pink in two thousand and ten, and then in two thousand eleven they were like, we're gonna add blue, mm -hmm. but we're gonna bring back the orange and pink oh. as well. So that was a year where they did three different special editions, returning the two from previous years, but the, the finials of the caps are different colors, okay. which is how oh, you yes. tell them apart, or different oh, shapes. Yes, the different there's the dot edition. cap, there's the cross cap, and then there's the black cross cap. And they, they've done that repeatedly over the years where they've gone, we're gonna bring back a color, but we'll change the cap so right. that collectors can tell them apart. Mm. Um, and then we have like, after that, we have the three neon colors. So there was the years of the neons with the neon yellow, neon coral, neon lime. Um, and then we've had the most recent years of the dark matte colors, mm -hmm. the, uh, the dark lilac, famous, the petrol that you've seen before, and then the 2018 um, all black. 
so yeah, um, it's it's kind of fun to to look back through the history and go, what were they thinking here with yeah. with uh, with their special editions? And uh, wow, they thought they could sell three different ones that year. And guess what? They're doing that again for 2019. They're bringing the three pastels in this year all at once. Do you think they're quite good at gauging? the market obviously the lilac sold through the roof people went absolutely mad for it and i think they tried to ride that success obviously for another two years i think the petrol was quite successful but maybe the charcoal not so much that's what i wonder is is like was this a master plan where they said next three years are going to be this or did they they start with the petrol and then decide to do the or did they start with the dark dark lilac and decide to do the petrol afterwards I don't know I'm not sure who we could ask who could give us that answer yeah because then they've taken a totally different change of tact with the the three sort of pastel yeah but in the past that would have been three years worth of special editions and they're doing it in one year Um, Lamy is yeah, I use the word greedy. I don't know if it, that's exactly the word because I'm not sure if they actually sell that many more pens. But um, they've certainly gotten on the special edition bandwagon over the past couple of years. There's The, the special editions kind of used to be the Safari thing, the all-star thing. But in the past few years, it's become every single one of their models has a special edition. There's a couple year. of new studios out this year. And two, spe- two, special two special edition special studios this year. And that was the same. Um, so last year was the racing. No, last year we had the um, Olive and the uh, Terracotta. Yeah. yeah, so we had two special editions last year as well. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, definitely. So <laughs> I've got... I've got Things going right back to the very first model of the uh, Safari. I've got the original Terracotta, the first generation of it, um, where uh, on the bottom uh, it doesn't actually say anything. Most okay. of them, all of them these days say Germany on the bottom. Then the older ones say West Germany on the bottom. And then the very first ones say nothing on the bottom. And they come with a really unique metal um, converter that so it doesn't fit the modern converter it has its own metal squeeze converter that it came with which is really weird because the thing that the safari is famous for is its ink window yes and when you've got a metal converter in it it totally covers it up all you see is a strip of metal in there and when people first see this they're like well that's got to be fake right or that's got to be the wrong converter but no you look back and you look at those photos the the ink window was there for the people who use the cartridges, yep. and everyone in Germany uses cartridges. Uh, so the converter was there as an optional extra, and it makes the uh, the ink window uh, useless, which is <laughs> hilarious. The other thing that's funny is the rollerball also has an ink window, mm. but the body the 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 nib section uh, has plastic that covers it up. So it's got a black plastic piece yeah. so that what you see through the ink window on the rollerball is just black plastic. Oh. So those are the Safaris and the All-Stars, of course, mm-hmm. the metal version of the Safaris. And I, I would say, you know, it's a gotta-catch-em-all sort of situation. The Safari and All-Star are... Neither of them is my favorite pen to write with. Yeah. They're both fine to write with Mm -hmm. but if i'm picking out my pens at the start of the week and going which one am i really going to enjoy writing with at work uh the safari the all-star they never quite make the list um but um still an amazing pen at just how long 
that design has persisted. Mm. I I can't wait for the 50th anniversary of the safari. It's going to be epic. <laughs> Where, what year is that coming up in? Well, I don't know exactly. I, th- I think, uh, yeah, I'm not sure exactly what year. I'd have to look it up. I'm only a year into this stuff, so <laughs> I know where to find the information. I don't have it all in my head. I guess around 1980, so we're talking like 2030 sort of deal for the for the safari anniversary. I wonder if they'll bring back every every color. Every color is a full set. <laughs> um, yeah, and then we get into the more the like the modern uh, prestige sort of models. Um, the since I like a, a narrow pen, the Lamy CP1 and its its brethren is a really interesting set of pens to me. These are the these are the straight cylindrical pens, mm-hmm. and um, a CP1. You know, the, the prototypical one is the matte black mm-hmm. cylindrical pen, and it takes the same converter as the Safari's All-Stars, every other Lamy. And it seems almost impossible that that converter fits in there. Yeah, it's very slim. It seems almost impossible that the nib, the exact same nib, fits in there. It's it's slimmer than a Sharpie. Yeah. They're like a fine liner type size. Yeah. But before there was that, there was the CP50, which is even slimmer. Um, it looks exactly like a CP1, but it's like shave a millimeter off of every dimension. And I've got a couple of those. And these ones don't fit the modern converters. So um, they've, I think the one I gave you there might have a vintage converter in it. But yeah, you need a, you need a vintage converter for these. And that is a snug fit. Yeah. <laughs> and it's a squeeze converter. Yeah. And that's got West Germany on it as yeah. well. But the nibs are still, I believe, compatible, although the nibs of that era don't have the, the mm. breather hole in the top. Right. Uh, they're just an, a slit and usually um, have like 585 stamped, stamped on them, so you know they're gold. But uh, yeah, uh, these slim pens I really like. And then there's all the variants on it. The, the 1980s Lamy Unique I love. Oh, that's heavy. Yeah, it's a heavy metal cylinder pen. And it's got this crazy pivoting clip. Yes, it's the first thing I gravitated towards yeah. because the uh, where the clip pivots, yeah. um, it's got two pins. So yeah. I'm like, why does it have that? I think it's one pin for the pivot and one for the for the spring or something like that. I don't know, but yeah, it actually um, it it's got a rocker mechanism on the outside sort of thing, and I love it. the The black version of it with a red dot. Um, uh, is <gasps> oh, that's nice, fetching. yeah. And I love these. They just, um, they're like, want a nerdy pen? We've got a nerdy pen <laughs> for you. The Lamy Pure is kind of a, a I think it's a bit of a cheapy DP uh, cylinder pen. I don't know if that's just because the, the feeling of capping it feels very plasticky. Yeah. Um, but the pen itself is quite nice, and I love how the clip comes down past the the cap and onto the body of the pen. Um, I love the look of it. I'm not sure I love the feel of it, yeah. but they've had the smooth metal finish, the ribbed metal finish, and then just this year, they're reviving it with a black finish, which I've only seen in Europe so far, yeah. but it's like the pure is coming back. It's really weird how Lamy will reach you know, 15 years back to a model that uh, no one's ever heard of and go, oh yeah, we'll make a new finish of that. And then there's the STs and the Linea's, which again are just, 
uh, cylindrical pens in various finishes, some of them like herringbone and, and lined, but their clip is just a pretty ordinary metal spring clip. Mm-hmm. But yeah, just, you know, I, I feel like a typical pen company would have made one of these. And Lamy's explored the whole range of design possibilities around this stuff. And I love just seeing, seeing their different takes on it over the years. Mm-hmm. There's Lost Curiosities, like the Lamy Lady, which is a recent addition that I wasn't sure I would ever buy. I'm holding it out to Mel and she's like, she's like I don't no, even want to touch it. No, <laughs> no. I, I, I did hold it last weekend at the pen meet. Yeah, I took it, took it out, inked it up, took it out. Uh, how to play with it. It's beautiful to write with. Yeah, it's sad when you look at it. Yeah. Um. <laughs> and I think the one I've got here, I think, is the best looking of the three models. I would agree. The other two have a wavy sort of cow. Look, cow, uh, yes. The, the body of it is ceramic, and which makes, which makes it stand out in the Lamy range. So it's like this, it's got this co- cool ceramic feel to it that gives it some weight uh, without too much. Um, very glossy body. And the one I've got has got uh, lines that run along the body and then circles that run across those in a kind of a crosshatch pattern that's black and gold alternately. Um, and what? Yeah. But like the Lamy Lady is infamous because it was marketed as, oh yeah, ladies don't want other Lamy pens. So we made one specially for we'll you. Make it. We'll make it. Ostentatious pen. Yeah, this is the pen that ladies want. It is not their, this lady. It is their fashion accessory <laughs> pen. The um, only way I could want it less would be if it was pink. <laughs> I am not a fan of gold personally, and this is a very gold pen. That's the. They have two gold models, and then they have the blue and silver model, which uh, looks good except for the cow pattern that's on its body. Uh, the persona. Um, the persona is kind of the the precursor to the modern emporium, which looks almost the same, and which Tom told me is designed by the same person who designed the Melbourne uh, Museum of uh, the the National Gallery of Victoria. Right. Yeah. And so the the Emporium's launch event happened at the NGV here in Melbourne. And he said, so you got to get an Emporium. And I said, I guess I do. Because it's the connection. (laughs) This is Lamy's most expensive pen, Mm -hmm. for sure. Uh, I guess it's their flagship pen, as they call it. Um, But uh, the persona that came before it, I'm getting them mixed up, actually. The persona that came before it has a really, same as the Lamy Lady, it has this cylindrical nib. Yeah that I really love. It's so soft and smooth to write with. That, for my money, except for maybe a well-tuned Lamy 2000, that is the best Lamy nib that I know of. The one that's on the Persona and the Lady. Yeah, 18K. And the Persona had a few different finishes over the years, including this crazy one, which is made of the same Macrolon material as Ah. the Lamy 2000. Um, short-lived, and I hope less expensive than the heavy metal personas, but that one uh, has the black plastic body. and mm, It's much lighter. Much lighter, really nice to hold in your hand for the same case, reason. Sil- uh, silver-colored nib. Yeah. Um, and they call that the palladium persona because the cap is finished in palladium, but the body is macrolon. I would have called That's it the very light. persona 2000 or something like that. Um, so yeah, that... 
the personas infamous for rolling off of tables because they have no kind of roll stop on them or they didn't originally. The one you're holding has the roll stop on the clip that was added to later models of persona. So they just put a little a nub on the... Tiny, tiny little dot. And it's enough to keep it from rolling off tables. Yeah. But uh, most of the personas... Uh, if you if you see a persona on eBay and the price looks a little too good to be true, take a close look at the cap because it probably has a dent on it from the time it rolled off of someone's oh, table. table. Yeah. And then the, the more recent personas all have the little dot on the clip that mm -hmm. keeps them from rolling and they cost a little more money as a result. The Emporium is the current incarnation. It's basically the exact, exact same body shape, but with a modern Lamy-shaped nib like on it. I like the nib. And they do an especial finish where the nib is coated except for the gold cutout, kind of like the other ones, but it's a rectangular cutout that makes it look especially kind of sharp. So it's a black coated nib with that gold center section. It's yeah. quite striking. Yeah, yeah. And uh, and it's, uh, it's a really nice nib. I can't fault it. It is uh, right up there with any other s uh, of the smoothest nibs I've ever written with. Um, Really nice and springy. Um, I, turns out $600 does buy you a nice pen. Absolutely. <laughs> so I think that's like from beginning to end, uh, high level, yeah. what you can find in the Lamy Oeuvre. Many special and limited editions along the way. Do you go for the Asian special editions? Uh, I have gone for one. Yeah. The ones with the cartoon characters attached to them, I'm like, okay, I'm a grown up. <laughs> I would be embarrassed to own that, Not is my honest reaction. Not to say that some grown-ups can't own them. No. They have been extremely popular. And you popular. know what? If I were a Pokemon fan, and many of my friends are, I would have been all over that thing. If they, uh, if they put out a Star Trek special edition, I'll be first in line, yeah. But the, the, the little teddy bear plastic mm -hmm. bangles and stuff don't quite do it for me i'm slightly tempted by the ones that come with a pen that is in a color like the finish is a yes. color that's not available anywhere else so a couple of asian models come as a brown safari yeah. and you can't get a brown safari anywhere else so if i do end up buying one it'll just be for the brown safari mm -hmm. but i can pick up a lummy yellow safari at the corner shop i yeah. i don't need to order one from china <laughs> <laughs> But the one it I did get... It talks to you when you open the box. Yes. <laughs> the one I did get was the Lamy Studio, my first love, and it's the uh, China Special Edition Terracotta. It sparkles. Yeah. So there's the Terracotta that you can get here, which is a lovely matte finish, and it feels so nice to hold. It's almost a little... like feels like it's made of beach sand that's kind of hardened into shape. I love that feeling. But the look of the glossy version ah, with, with the like sports car sparkles through it uh, can't be can't be gone past or couldn't be for me. They they charge a mint for this thing in China, let alone the costs of getting it imported to Australia. So this is, I guess, my most expensive. And studio. we're going to come around to how you acquired that one a bit later. <laughs> I have to do my penance. It sounds like. <laughs> I got a question from our fearless leader, Diana. Did your collecting precede your involvement with the fountain pen community? Yes, definitely. I think like most people you discover, I don't know if this is fair, but I think most people discover fountain pens as a, as a solo hobby. It's not a social activity buying yeah. a pen. 
Uh, and then you buy two pens, and then you buy five pens, and you go, you know what, I'm a special person. I wonder if there are other special people like me out there. And then you join a Facebook group, and you find out that Facebook group is meeting in a food court just around the corner <laughs> this weekend. And I also want to know how you found out about our Facebook group. Because hmm. I, I went back. I did, look, I went back in FPO, mm. and I thought, where was Kevin's first... Where did he first pop up yeah. in Fountain Pens Oceania? And it was October last year. Yeah, okay. So I was a little ways into it by then. Yep. Um, and I know the story. Oh, do you? Tell me. Leanne sold you a pen oh, on eBay. yeah. Well, there you go. <laughs> That's it. Yes, I showed up at Leanne's door to buy... Um, it must have been an all-star. Yeah, it was one of the all-stars I was missing. Yeah, bought it on eBay. Was very excited that it was just around the corner, that I wouldn't have to pay shipping. Mm-hmm. And uh, rocked up to her door and she said, here's the pen. Here's an ink sample. (laughs) Uh, We're very giving people. Yeah. I'm trying to remember. Sailor Grenade. Yes. And she said, you should come to the, you should join the Facebook group. And I was like, oh, really? There's a Facebook group? There are people. I'm not sure how to feel about that. (laughs) like you. (laughs) I think joining that Facebook group is an admission that you are more than a casual keeper of pens. That this is something that you enjoy talking to people about. And at that time, I think I was like not quite prepared to do that. But I jumped on the Facebook group right away and lurked for a little while. And I think I missed the first meetup after Mm -hmm. that and uh, saw the chatter that went on around it. And I was like, okay, these these people are nerds like me. They're not more nerdy than me. They're just as nerdy as me. And yeah, yeah. I think you missed you missed the October pen posse, which meant that your first real introduction to the Melbourne pen scene was the Melbourne pen show. Yes, that's right. Which I interviewed you then as well. Yeah, you were my first interview. I was so nervous. I was happy um, to break the ice. <laughs> thank you. Um, and then from there, you've been bringing your bits and bobs sort of uh, December and January. And yes. we've just had February. Oh, did we have one for December? No, I think it was cancelled. Yeah. So There's been two since then. Yeah, yeah January, February. So tell me. And you get mobbed. I, I do because I pack this entire collection he into a bag. stash. And then I stack it up on the table and then they open the top one and people go, ooh, can Woo! I take photos? <laughs> Uh, and then I get questions that I'm happy to answer, but uh, I always wonder if if I'm showing off too much by throwing all of these in the car every time. If no, I, should, I don't think if so. If I should pick a small collection and, and bring them out a few at a time. I think the best thing about your collection and the best thing about the pen meets is that you have pretty much, you have the pen that people look to buy for their first fountain pen and... We do get beginners to the meets, which or newbies to the meets, which means that they get to look at them, they get to try them, and they also, but they then they also get to try maybe the the um, the metal the metal ones the the yeah they the get AL, to the um, the all star the all star, um, and then you've even got the little the, the, nexus. the nexus yeah the little I guess the children's school pen yeah. Um, but and they can sort of try and see if that is where they want their entry to be. Yeah, and you can tell the difference between okay, this is a this is a forty dollar pen. Yep. And this is a four hundred dollar pen. Yeah. Do they actually feel that different? Yeah. Do they feel different in a way that I care three hundred and sixty dollars about? Um, yeah. So I'm like I love doing that service to going. Okay, here's every Lamy uh, you can choose from. 
I'm happy to tell you about the history, happy to let you try any of these. Um, I love doing that. And the thing I get the most is people go, I used to have a safari in this color and I lost it and I could never find it again. And then I go, oh, this one. one." (laughs) (laughs) And uh, yeah, they they love to, to see them again. I think on a much smaller scale, people, I do this sort of the same thing with the vanishing points because I always say to people, you must try a vanishing yeah. point before you, try, before you try it. Oh, yeah. The clip is very polarizing and if you can't get comfortable with it, it's a waste of your time yeah. and money. The safari's grip is the same thing. Exactly, the triangular yeah. grip, you'll love it or hate it. Yeah. Uh, if you're not used to being so structured in, in your grip, um, something like that can be a little bit difficult for you to get your head around. So I... I never begrudge anybody from bringing anything to a meet because it's literally just you are you are letting people try them and they are figuring out what's best for them, probably saving them some money in the in the process. Well, yeah, if I can uh, if I can uh, just teach someone what pen they don't like, that's fine by yeah, me too. Yeah, me too. Yeah. If you don't like a vanishing point, that's fine. Yeah. I will buy it. Um, what interests or excites you about Lamy as a brand? Is it the design? The design the for sure. House. Yeah. If if Lummies didn't look the way they look, I would have never gone near them. For sure. And there are some Lummies that I pick up again and again because they're such a joy to write with, yeah. but I think that's a characteristic of that particular pen, right. not the Lummy brand. Yes. And so if I were someone who wanted the best pen, the best writing experience, I would probably have bought a Lamy 2000. Mm-hmm. I might have been curious about some of Lamy's other models and tried them, but yeah, we wouldn't be anywhere near where we are today. <laughs> if it weren't for the Bauhaus. <laughs> so yeah, that the, the combination of a design-forward product where the company that makes them is not that interested in their own in design them. history. <laughs> Isn't it weird? Is irres- like it's an irresistible thing to me that uh, it's like you don't see what you've got here. Yeah. So uh, I care about this more than you do. So it's up to me. And it's bizarre. <laughs> yeah, it's quite weird because there would be other people, I'm sure, from other countries that are that are doing exactly the same thing. Yeah, the Fountain Pen Network forums is kind of the um, the repository of knowledge on. Uh, long lost Lamis. Yeah. I guess, yeah, if if I've become any kind of instant expert, it's just by obsessively reading the archives yeah. of the Lamy forum in Fountain Pen Network. And there are a couple of other people there who've done great services to history by going, okay, the Lamy profile series, here's everything you need to know about it. Here's a photo of all four of the models, both together and disassembled. And um, here's what we know about the designer. Here's what we know about the dates that they were sold and for what money. And here's photos of the original catalog pages that had them. And like, you cannot get that from um, Lamy themselves. All you can get it from is from avid collectors who want to keep this history alive. Uh, So I'm inspired by their example and want to do some version of the same for sure. Mm. Uh, and, um, you know, if someone wrote a definitive Lamy history book, I would buy that Kickstarter for sure. I'm not sure there's enough of a market out there for someone to do that, but boy, would I pay for that thing. (laughs) (laughs) The closest thing I've got is a museum catalog, um, that, because Lamy has done for their 50th anniversary, Mm -hmm. 
with scare quotes. Uh, they've done a museum tour where they take, uh, it's called the, the Thinking Tools Museum exhibit. And they have a number of their models, the particular design icons, the, the Lamy 2000, of course, the, um, the accent, which has an interchangeable grip section, the, uh, the, the really skinny ones like the Lamy Spirit, which is not a fountain pen, but that's a mechanical pencil and ballpoint, impossibly skinny pens. So they've got these particular standout ones that they will put forward. And if you go to the design section of their website, those are the ones they highlight. So they've done a museum exhibit and it's toured around the world. There's a particular all-star that you can only get in the gift shop of the right. museum exhibit which I do have. Oh. I haven't visited the museum because <laughs> it hasn't come to this part of the world yet. But uh, the, the, the catalog that you can buy for that exhibit is a, it's a 50-ish page thing with interviews from the, the owners of the company and the designers talking about what is the design process, what makes Lamy special, why was this pen designed this way and that pen designed that way. And it's the start of the kind of thing that I wish they would do more of. Mm -hmm. But there's this sense that they only want to tell you about their successes. Yeah, right. They only want to tell you about the things that will make you want to buy the thing they have to sell today. Right. Um, whereas I think there is still a lot of space for people to capture the disappearing history of all of the things they won't tell you about. Yeah. yeah. I found that quite interesting because in Sydney, Pilot bought over their Vanishing Point museum collection. Wow. <gasps> <laughs> and they are very proud of their of their collection and their history, especially with the vanishing point, I think, because it was so it was so different. Like it's it's different to any other fountain pen you've ever seen. Yeah. The the engineering and the design of it is is totally unique. Yes. So they are quite proud of it. And for Lamy to sort of not be proud of their entire history is quite interesting to me. Yeah. And I'm sure they're they're proud of it in an abstract way, yeah. but not in a way that they share with the rest of the world, I guess. Because I suppose they're more concerned with selling I assume now. they have a vault somewhere with every oh, pen yeah. they've ever made. You'd hope so. You would hope so. Uh, the Vanishing Points, I definitely hear you. They're, they're just like the Safari. They have a special edition every year, and you want to collect them all. People have asked me, if you branched out from Lamy, which one would it be next? I'm like, I would fall so deep down the well of Vanishing Points. Uh, but I'm like you. I like the Decimo better. Um, it's a better fit for my hand. And on the one hand, I wish they did as many really cool-looking special editions. They do. Just not in... Just not quite Just in, in Japan. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> so they're even more expensive. Oh, they're beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> they are. All right. We're not going to get into vanishing points because nope. we'll just keep Off going limits. on that for uh, forever. Okay. Um, what is the most time or effort you've ever put into acquiring a pen? And would you do it again? And I reckon you can tell the Leo story here. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, that is, that is maybe the most social capital I've burned <laughs> acquiring a pen. Uh, yeah. Leo, friend of the pod. Leo, friend of the pod and very good friend of mine, although I'm not sure he'll ever take my call again. Uh, you know, the, the first love of my safari collection, the studio, mm -hmm. 
I had every single finish except there were a couple of Asia-specific finishes and they didn't have plastic characters attached to them. They were just really attractive finishes that were only ever sold in Hong Kong and China is my understanding. And one was was out this year. So I was like, it's sitting in a shop somewhere. You can walk in and buy it. It's available. Yeah. And it really frustrated me that these things weren't on eBay. Yeah. They they weren't being talked about anywhere. Just in my experience with, with Asian exclusives, they're never on eBay. No, no. <laughs> so uh, I was like, you know what? I've got it was the day I had gotten the last studio um, except for those. And I said, you know what? I, I need to get the ones that are missing. And so I carelessly, without checking, doing my research, I hopped on Fountain Pens Oceania and said, you know what? If someone could get me that uh, China exclusive glossy terracotta pen, I would pay double for it. Paging Leo. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, I would pay double what I paid for any of my other studios for sure. But Leo jumped on and went, oh, yeah, I've, I've seen that in the shop. It's down the road. Here's your price. And it was it was breathtaking. And it cost twice as much almost as a when you factor in shipping and all of that jazz. It cost twice as much as any other studio. Uh, and I had agreed to pay double that. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, wow, I'm not sure I'm not sure this is an eight hundred dollar pen for me. Yeah. So so Leo very kindly went said yes. And I, I had to circle back to him and, and eat my hat and say, you know what? Now that I've seen the price, I think I was way too careless and I'm so, so, so sorry. Mm -hmm. And he said, That's all right, you can find it on uh on uh Taobao. Mm -hmm. Here's the link. Oh, you good can man. order it yourself. And it was still quite expensive, but I uh, I was able to get it that way. But um, yeah, I'm I am really sorry. I promised such a such a, <laughs> a friend to our community so much money, and then took it away. But yeah, there's like the thing is, um, what's the hardest one that you've had to? Uh, the the Lamy uh, persona in Macrolon mm -hmm. that you were holding yeah. is probably the one that um, that I knew I wanted, but. Uh, it was it was not turning up anywhere. Six months went by and there wasn't a sign of one. And I just went, wow, maybe maybe the world has seen the last mm -hmm. of these to be put on sale. Yeah. Um, I and don't know how that feels. So I'm yeah I'm uh, I'm a uh, web developer mm -hmm. by day, and so I wrote an app for myself mm -hmm. that checked eBay obsessively for this particular pen. Yeah. And you know you can you can do saved searches on eBay, yeah. but eBay's a little lackadaisical about when it sends them to you. It's like sometime during the day that it goes on sale, we might send you an email if we feel like it. Is kind of the level of service you get from an eBay saved search. I wanted something that would ping my phone with a notification within five minutes of it going on sale. Uh, and so that and a couple of other of the really hard to find Lamy models, that's how I managed to acquire them yeah, right. is I, I have an active scanner watching eBay for the thing to go on sale. I have a job for you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we can talk off, off air. Yeah. Um, so yeah, Thankfully, that pen was not never to be seen in this world again. I, I It came up, I snapped it up right away, and then within a month, two more went on sale for much less money with just as nice a condition. So I, I overpaid for that one in the end, but... Uh, but um, yeah, it was a relief when it finally mm, uh, arrived, absolutely. for sure. 
Absolutely. Um, are there any other fountain pen brands that spark something in you? And Diana asks, have you ever been tempted to start collecting other brands? <laughs> yeah. Well, the pilot is probably my next, like I've got, I've got about 40 pilot pens. I approve this message. And um, the, the short to long pocket pen. They're so cute. Yeah. Is especially nice. So here we go. Those are them. And you, the the crown jewel of that collection mm-hmm. is sitting in my everyday carry all linked up at the moment. And this is one I talked about on the podcast just recently. Yes. Um, this is the Mew that was, that was, it's my birth month pen. That's amazing. <laughs> um, but yeah, this is j- like, this could be a Lamy pen in my mind yeah. because it's got just the gimmick uh, while being super understated in its design. It, it is teeny tiny until you post it, and then it's it's a, a full size pen. Uh, and on top of that, the the Muse have the integrated nib, yeah. where the the nib is just part of the nib section. the The whole thing is it's all nib, uh, if you will. So, what is the nib made out of? Oh, it's a steel pen. It's a steel nib yeah, pen. Yeah. yeah, it's a stainless steel pen. Um, and they're so futuristic. Yeah. Oh yeah, this is like a Star Trek fountain pen yeah. for sure. And then there's the the stripe, yeah. and then there's the whole family of not quite Muse. There's the recent, there's the five years ago M90 mm-hmm. or ten ten years ago, I think it is. Um, yeah, that uh, yeah that uh, Pilot brought this back for their 90th anniversary, mm-hmm. uh, a limited edition remake that is way better than the original it's pen got, for the people yeah so much mm-hmm. more this is the m90 mm-hmm. um, i should say out loud uh this has got way more fit and finish than the original it just clicks together so nicely and why why is this a limited edition why isn't pilot selling these constantly because they could sell so many of them uh and it's such a nice pen i wish more people had it um then there's the the MR ones that are kind of also integrated nib pens, but they're a longer, they're not a pocket pen. But that pocket pen, the, it, it starts short and then it goes long. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've got a whole bunch of those. And some of them are like extendo pens that yeah. they don't get longer when you post them. They get longer when you pull the cap off because the, the body telescopes That's out. amazing. <laughs> um, yeah. So um, big fan of those. Not all of them are great writers. The yeah. telescopy ones seem to be especially toothy, cheapy nibs. I don't think these are expensive pens. I think these are everyday business person, take it to work in your, in your shirt pocket pens. Um, that's the name. But uh, there are many, many varieties of them. I have ones with flowers on them. I have ones in different colors. Um, yeah, but uh, that's probably my second one. They're so cute. Do you draw like a clear line between the pens that you use and the pens that you collect? I said I'm a web developer. Mm-hmm. These days I'm a manager of web developers. Mm-hmm. So a big part of my job is one-on-one meetings. Yeah. And writing with a fountain pen in a notebook is my active listening technique. Mm-hmm. It Because it takes me a little longer to write down what's just been said to me, it makes me take a breath. It makes me let the person finish what they're saying. And... Um, it makes me focus on capturing what they've said, the meaning of it in shorthand, like translating it into something that you can write quickly mm-hmm. is an active listening technique. Mm-hmm. Whereas just listening to the person say it in one ear out the other is the opposite of that. So um, yeah, I, I every week ink up a different set of pens and with a different color of ink. And I don't draw a hard line. I don't think 
you know, this, this original terracotta safari, I would probably have a hard time inking it up. Yeah. Just because there aren't that many uninked safaris mm -hmm. in the world. And I feel like I would maybe be taking something away from it. Yeah. But at the same time, safaris are meant to be used. So I won't say I would never ink that up. Yeah. Um, so I don't think I do put a hard line. I think the only pen I wouldn't use is one that I would be afraid would break mm -hmm. from use. So I've been told those, those Lamy ladies, the short-lived ones, they not, not only were they briefly on the market because people were offended by the marketing around them, but... When were they released? Early 80s, uh, early 90s. Okay, cool. Yeah, early 90s. And I liked that people were offended. Yeah, well, I'm reading between the lines there, but I'm pretty sure they were offended. <laughs> we were enlightened enough by the early 90s to go... Some a days I wonder. Woman? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's not going to be flying off the shelves. And <laughs> so, yeah, it was only available for a few years. And, but what I understand is it's also a pretty fragile pen, mm -hmm. not just because it's ceramic, but just the way the metal and the ceramic are put yeah. together. You don't want to twist that too hard when you when you uh, disassemble it. So I think I've taken it for its ride. I've inked it up. I've written with it. And it's beautiful to write with. But now that I've done that, it's probably going to mostly sit in my collection. The Lamy profiles that I've been told crack easily. I've also, you know, I would treat those with kids gloves if mm -hmm. I did ink them up. Um, that's the only reason I wouldn't write yeah. with something in my collection. How do you store your pens? And with the, the especially fragile ones, do you take any special precaution? <laughs> um, I, I had a hard time finding a way to store this collection as it grew. It became pretty obvious pretty quickly that I was going to need more than a seven pen wallet. And then I was going to need... By the time I found nice wood display cases, I realized I was going to need a lot of those. <laughs> um, and what I ended up finding was these uh, cheap eBay 48-pen mm -hmm. zip cases yeah. that you can get for 25 bucks a pop. Mm -hmm. And that's what I keep my collection in just because it's convenient and the pens are relatively well-protected. I don't really take much precaution other than that, although... I, I'm I'm aware that the cushioning in these things only will get me so far, so yeah. I probably wouldn't throw them in luggage or something mm -hmm. like that. Yeah. Um, I carry my pens that I write with in a pen roll day to day, um, which seems to do the trick pretty well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, you can spend way too much money on pen storage, especially if you need to store 200 of them. Um, the The... The 48 pen zip case was like, that was pretty quickly, I was like, okay, I could buy five of those and be pretty well set. But there are very expensive versions of those and there are, there are these cheap ones. And I ended up going for the cheap ones just because I could not, I couldn't bring myself to spend on, on a pen case what I could spend on another Lamy pen. It makes, um, it makes traveling and transporting them to pen mates and yeah. so and all that sort of stuff quite easy as well yeah the uh the fanciest case i have is a 48 pen case that says lamy on it <laughs> found it on ebay it's it's seen better days but it's leather and it's it's got hard plastic mm -hmm. uh walls and i think that's that's currently what my safaris sit in just because it seems right that the the most iconic uh, colorful pen goes in the actual Lamy case. But I assume this was like a, a samples case that some Lamy salesman carried yeah, around. Yeah, maybe. The uh, rep. Yeah. How interesting. But yeah, there are, just to paint a picture, there are open um, 
compendiums of pens. I've spread them out all over the floor. <laughs> so for we can easy look access. at them and yeah. chat about them. <laughs> and we'll take some photos oh, of them. Oh, sure. Are you also into the Lamy inks? And um, this is a cheeky question from yeah. me. Yeah. Is it a complete Lamy collection if you don't have the matching inks? Uh-huh. <laughs> I, 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 I am somewhat into the Lamy inks. There are serious misses in the hits and misses um, um, tally for Lamy. Uh, when it comes to inks, there are really weird inks like the the neon green yeah. Lamy ink yep. is completely impractical <laughs> and I don't own it, uh, but I've almost bought it several times. Mm. Uh, I have most of the other inks, like Lamy Red is terrible. Yep. Uh, it's this weak, gutless red, uh, so I don't own that. Mm-hmm. Um, but any Lamy ink worth owning, I've made it my business to get. So I've got my bottle of uh, dark lilac, mm-hmm. got my bottle of petrol, mm-hmm. the Pacific blue, which is also turquoise. Yes. I've got one of those. I don't have one of each. No, <laughs> the uh, the vibrant pink, which is also recently re-released as rhodinium, okay. Ro- what rhodonite? It's the pink one there. Yeah, rhodonite. Rhodonite. Yep, rhodonite. In the crystal range, exact same ink. They've done it again. But um, yeah, I've got the Vibrant Pink bottle and I bought the Rodenite before I realized it was the same thing. Before anybody realized it was Yeah, before it was anyone realized thing. it was the same thing. Uh, the Copper Orange is probably the one I'm most missing. You're right. If anyone out there has a bottle of Copper Orange, they, they would like to make How a little money selling. How does that differ from the new... Well, that's the thing. I haven't got the bronze yet. Uh, I've seen some writing samples and I'm like, that's really orange. Yeah. If it were copper orange again, I'd be great. I'd never have to buy an, a copper exactly orange the now same, if yeah. they were the same. But Lamy's not going to tell us that. And mm-hmm. I'm not sure anyone has copper orange left to compare the two side by side. Yeah. I have got some copper orange cartridges. Mm-hmm. So I can try it if and when I get that ink. But um, until then, the jury's out. It'll be interesting to see because obviously with the, cop- uh, the charcoal release last year, they didn't release a black ink yeah. um, uh, obviously because they were developing the obsidian the new ones yeah. what do you think they'll do maybe with the pastels <laughs> pastel inks I, I don't know I, I don't think they do inks for everything yeah. um, but uh, yeah the Pacific blue and the copper orange those are and the, and the bronze those are all all star colors yeah. so historically they bring out an, an ink for an all-star, although the dark lilac and the petrol were mm-hmm. safari colors. Yeah. So sometimes they do, sometimes they don't. I don't know if they get a color pen and go, would this make a good ink? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, I, I, I don't need more on my Lamy shopping list for 2019, honestly. There is plenty already. <laughs> Hi-ya. Yeah. Do you think your collecting habits have changed since you began 12 months ago? It hasn't been long enough to say, I don't think. Well, Do you think they will? I feel like there are two parts to my collection. There's the Lamy Museum, which is its own thing. And then there are the pens that I like in their own right. And they are the, yeah, maybe the Pilot Pocket pens are a tiny museum of their own. But I think my habits around the, the pens apart from those will change. Yeah. Um, I'll, I'll learn what I like and what I don't like. I'm, I'm guessing, for example, that at some point I'll let go of the vanishing point and go, you know what? The Decimo really is the format this for is me. It's the one that you want. Yeah. And I can let go of my Crimson Sunrise special edition mm-hmm. vanishing point and 
that'll be fine. I can, I can live without that. So I think that will change the, the part of my collection that I have not as a museum piece. It probably will evolve the way it does for most people. Uh, we briefly touched on this, but do you collect anything besides fountain pens and Lamy inks? No, no. What have I collected over the years? Yeah. I think the last time I had a collection, it was a stamp collection that my parents got me into growing up. <laughs> nothing, nothing to the extent of this. Of this, no, not at all. Nothing to the extent that warrants your your own podcast interview. I've had a comic book collection. Yeah, um, yeah like uh, the the. I don't know. I'm sure a lot of people listening know about the Sandman comics from Neil Gaiman. They're like a uh, uh, comics for mature readers. So they're they're. Uh, grown-up stories about um, interesting people rather than uh, superheroes in spandex. Mm -hmm. And I, I got into that sort of universe of, of fiction for a while and have quite a number of boxes of comics in the in the garage. So I don't know how it slipped my mind. Yeah, that, that happened. Uh, I've been slowly shedding them via eBay over the years because digital comics honestly are a better reading experience. Uh, so I, I think I've definitely bought my last paper comic. Whereas with pens, like, I don't think it'll be a while before we can say digital writing is a better experience yeah. than fountain pen writing. So sticking with the ink. Mm. Um, what do your friends and family think of your hobby? Obviously, that means your friends outside of the pen community. Yeah, yeah. F from bemusement to outright objection. <laughs> I think my partner, Jess, has been um, as patient as one could expect, given just how quickly I've spent yeah. this much money on plastic cylinders and middle cylinders mm. that have come into the house. There's so, some gold mixed in there. Yeah, there's some gold <laughs> mixed in there. <laughs> I have to kind of make sure that if anything ever happens to me, she has a way of collecting the money back that is practical. I think that might be what I owe to oh, my family. Oh, Jess, just like, <laughs> just come to us. We will make sure that we, go. that we can be in touch. That we can offload them <laughs> in a in a very uh, compensatory way. Yeah. <laughs> but I think the day I said, look, I now have most of the Lamy pens. Mm -hmm. I don't need to really buy that many anymore. Yeah. She was like, good, finally. <laughs> um, Most people come to this conclusion, though, not after 12 yeah. months. Most people come to this conclusion, like, maybe five, ten years. That's right, yeah. yeah. Um, my friends at work, they, they like to see me write. They ask me questions about my pens out of curiosity. Yeah. I think because I work with a bunch of computer nerds, mm -hmm. most of them go, well, I spent a lot of money on this iPad. I'm not going back to ink pens. I spent a lot of money on this pen. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, I am. I am the person who takes colorful notes, and and people people uh, appreciate that I value what they're telling me enough to write it down a lot of yeah. the time. Uh, but also, I you know I, another parcel delivery arrives at the office. They go, it's probably another pen for Kevin. Kevin. <laughs> Um, if you could restart your collection from scratch, would you change anything about it? Um, and would you change your approach to acquiring your pens? This is a similar question to the one we were asking everyone in the community recently. And I wasn't, I didn't pick that question to answer because I'm not sure the answer I would give. Uh, I, I, if the house burnt down or yes. if I got burgled and all of these things were gone, yes. would, I, would I collect the insurance money and spend it on rebuilding it? I don't know. I I think probably, but it would be 
it would feel, it would not feel the same. Yep. It would be spending a lot of time and money to get back something I once had, which feels somehow like a more hollow pursuit mm -hmm. or something of like, le let leave the past the past, mm -hmm. um, move forward in life. Yeah. I think if you spend a lot of time and resources just trying to get back to something you had once, it's a there's something a little sad about that. Mm -hmm. um, so uh, I probably wouldn't. I think I would really mourn the loss of this, yeah, yeah. Uh, but I would then go, okay, I need a Lamy 2000. Mm -hmm. and you know what you like now. And I need a studio. Mm -hmm. I might need, even need all of the studios. <laughs> but other than that, I think uh, I would have to go, well, I guess I wasn't meant to be the definitive Lamy Museum for the world. <laughs> Somebody else will have to yeah, someone else step have to into it. it. Diana has another question. Are uh, you generally a completionist? Yeah, I think so. Uh, certainly, you know, when I play video games, I am the person who, and this is jumping ahead to my pick for the, for the week, but um, the, yeah, when I play a video game and it's got a achievement for collecting all 50 of these pointless things that are hidden in the world, I'm the person who goes and collects all 50 of yeah. them. And, um, and sometimes I'm quite satisfied to have done it. Mm -hmm. Sometimes I get 49 and then can't find the 50th because of a bug in the game. And I'm like, and I go, what am I even doing with my life? <laughs> Why have I sat here for <laughs> six hours looking? Yeah. And it's not here. But this collection is certainly an expression of my completionist tendencies for yeah. sure. It's a very colorful expression. I think if I weren't a completionist, this would look similar. But like I wouldn't need every single version you of the Orange yeah. Safari. I'd he has three versions of the Orange Safari. <laughs> but then again, that one has a red. That cap. one has a red clip. And that these one ones has have an different orange dot, and that one has an orange cross. <laughs> so they're not the same. Yeah, those are the those are the aspects of my collection that I cannot explain to my partner. The fact that I need all three of the Orange Safaris. Yeah. <laughs> She's like, fine, collect all of the different pens, but don't collect every color of every different pen. <laughs> What do you think fountain pen people have in common and what sets us apart from, I don't know, from each other or from everybody else? Uh, I think fountain pen people enjoy a certain kind of tactile experience mm -hmm. that people who don't enjoy it can't understand the appeal, maybe. Do you think there's people that don't enjoy fountain pens or people that just haven't tried fountain pens? I've handed a fountain pen to someone and yeah. seen them draw a line and it's been, I've, I've said, don't press too hard. Yeah. And This they, comes with rules yeah, yeah. for starters. Don't press too hard, keep the metal to the sky. Mm -hmm. And then they draw a perfect line and I, and I sit back and I go, that was a pretty That's good line. That's beautiful. And they go, no thank you. <laughs> okay. They're, they're afraid of it or it's too finicky. Yeah. Or they, they run their hand over it and it smears and they go, why would you, this is terrible. Why do I have to wait for this? <laughs> but those of us who enjoy fountain pens revel in that experience. Mm -hmm. We like watching the ink dry. Um, we like the feeling that um, I have captured something here in a way that is unique to me mm -hmm. and the combination of tools I've chosen on this particular day. And this this version of this experience will never quite be repeated again and i can tweak any aspect of this ver this experience to to my preferences to how i'm feeling uh to what i want to express to the person who who reads this mm -hmm. and i think like 
there are there are other aspects of life that people obsess over, like yeah. cooking. There are foodies in the world who feel about food and about ordering the same dish for the 50th time and reveling in how slightly different it is this time that I will never get. Uh, so we just happen to choose that in a, in, for one of our forms of, of communication, mm -hmm. which I think is what sets us apart, mm -hmm. that, that we revel in a form of communication, which to me is, is inherently creative yeah. rather than consumeristic. There's a lot of consumerism going on in this room, I'll admit. But at the same time, every single one of these tools is there for me to communicate something yep. and, and take a creative act, mm -hmm. which I, uh, feels special to me. Nice. Yeah. Cool. What advice would you give to newcomers to the hobby? <laughs> Get out while you can! Go! Uh, I, I, that's the joke. I think the, the reality... You said hobby, newcomers to the hobby, because it I starts think, as a hobby. Well, or is it a way of life? I think you can buy just one pen and go. This is how I like to to write, to write and that's okay. So, like, I think my first advice is, don't feel like you have to keep up with the crazy lobby yes. collectors. Yes, it's okay to try one pen, try another pen, and decide you like it better. So get rid of the first. Sell pen. it. Yes, um, I encourage it. Yeah. Uh, there are plenty of us collectors keeping the pen and ink companies in business. Mm -hmm. So my advice is explore and find what you like. And if you don't have a reason to keep the stuff you don't like around, yes. get rid of it. That is easy. Like that is way easier for me to say. Like do as <laughs> I say, not as I do, I suppose. I suppose there's no time limit on that either. Yeah. It, it may take you some time to figure out that. But I would I hate for someone for to come to the Melbourne Pen Posse and see my 48 pen safari thing spread open on the table and go, oh, I don't belong here because I just want yeah. one pen that I get no, to I write understand. with it every day. Yeah. Um, so that's my advice to beginners is you, you, you do belong here. You are welcome here if what you enjoy doing is writing with ink. Or drawing with it. Yeah. Or sniffing it. <laughs> Kobe smells very good. Mm. Um, considering the size of your collection, would you consider showcasing it at uh, one of the Australian pen shows and sharing your knowledge in that kind of capacity? I would love to. I'm, I spent 10 years as a technical writer, so what I enjoy doing is um, finding stuff out and then um, helping other people to find it out. Mm -hmm. I think in this era of mansplaining, we have to be a little careful that you sp you don't want to force feed someone information that they're not interested in. So yeah. I do, I'm a little wary of getting the booth at the pen show, mm -hmm. spreading my things out, and then no one is interested. Oh, that, that's literally not possible. <laughs> well, that's good to hear. It's literally not possible, yeah. I don't think. I think maybe probably some newbie uh, beginners, I don't know the correct term, but would maybe be not put off, but intimidated yeah. just by the size. I was intimidated when I went to the Melbourne Pen Show. Yeah. There, the, there are the stalls where shops that exist the rest of the year are selling their wares, maybe open to a little haggling that they aren't always open to. And they're, they're great. Mm. And then there are the ones that there have the sign at the front that say for display only. Yeah. And um, yeah, like I walked past those three times before I, mm. I worked up the courage to go... Hey, what's this about? Yeah, uh, and 
I, I, if I did it, I'd want to find a way to remove that barrier. I don't know how one does it. I've got a couple of ideas. I'll check to you later. But yeah, I'm a little scared of being the, 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 the scary Lamy person that no one yeah. wants to talk to. No, I think I don't think you're the scary person. <laughs> I think you're very generous and open and and relaxed in your knowledge and the giving of your knowledge, yeah. which makes you very approachable. Well, that's what I'm going for. Winner, you're doing it. It's good. <laughs> um, name me or give me the three favorite pens from your collection. Uh, Lamy Studio. Which one? Do I have to pick one? Yes, the Wild Reuben, which is mm-hmm. the sports car red one. <laughs> Um, so it's sparkly and glossy yeah. and it's bright red. Yeah. There is no redder red pen in my collection. Mm-hmm. So the, the Wild Reuben, I had to buy it twice because the first time I bought it, it came with a rollerball cap. Oh. So the studios are, the rollerballs are marked with a dot on the finial mm-hmm. so that if you have a rollerball and a fountain pen, you can tell which is which. Mm-hmm. But whether by design or device, the company that sold it to me uh, sent it with a rollerball pen uh, cap. And I was like, well, I kind of have this pen now, but I don't really have this yeah. pen now. So when the Wild Reuben with the proper cap new inbox came up, mm. I bought that as well. So that's why there's two of them sitting next to each other in that case. One so, with a special cap. Yeah. So yeah, if I'm picking three, mm-hmm. it would be the Wild Reuben Studio, uh, the Lamy 2000... Um, I guess I'll pick the modern one just because I feel better writing with it. And uh, that um, Macrolon. Oh, gosh, I'm leaving out all the vintage ones. <laughs> That's okay. We'll do that anyway. The Macrolon Persona, uh, which is just like the Lamy 2000, yeah. but cylindrical. There's, there's other ones I want to put on the list, but those would be my top three. Um, thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> is there anything else you'd like to add? I'd like to say... Thank you to the to the Melbourne and Oceania fountain pen community for being so welcoming. I uh, I think I got into this expecting for it to be a solo pursuit, and I have gradually met some really cool people. So if you are if you are listening to this podcast, going, oh, I can never go to a pen meet. Yeah. You you should definitely come That's to a it. pen meet because um, we were all scared at our first one, and the. There are always new people at them. So you won't be the only scared, shy person there if you come along. We have teenagers. We have, yeah. we have child, children. My child comes. <laughs> My child often comes. And, she, and everyone there wants you to ask to try their pen. Yes. yes. You'll be sitting next to someone with three Mont Blancs in, in, in a leather case that looks like they've owned it for half their mm-hmm. lives and that person is dying for you, for to, you ask to ask to them. try writing 100%. with one 100 yeah. percent. thank you so much kevin You're for welcome. sharing your time and your wisdom with the, <laughs> the greater you know pen populace today. i really enjoy listening to the show and i feel really privileged to have had uh, a whole episode to 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 uh, share back, I, yeah. I, I want to, I want to be more a part of this community. But I feel like I may have said everything there is to say about Lamis. Oh well, <laughs> you might get some. Que- we might get some questions. Ah, yes, please. And then have um, me back for questions. Yeah, La- send your questions. I have through. all the Lamis. Ask me anything. Send your questions through um, and the to the nib section. We will definitely pass them on, and um, Kevin can answer them as best he can. Mm. Now it's time for that part of the pod where we share our recommendations. Kevin, would you like to go first? I talked about um, 
how I tend to be a completionist and that makes video games a really time-consuming thing to do. And so my pick is a video game that was really respectful of my time recently. And I was able to play it and see everything in it in a weekend. Oh, and wow. That, that is the right size for a video game nice. as an adult for my yes. money. And it was really touching. So the game is called The Last Day of June. Mm-hmm. And it's available on PlayStation 4, Switch, and uh, Windows. And it is this gorgeous game that is based on a stop-motion short film that the creators of the game were inspired by. And um, so the artwork of the game, it looks like um, stop-motion figures and a very stylized version of it. So the characters in it have small bodies and giant heads (laughs) that look like they're carved out of wood. And their eyes, they don't have eyes. They have just uh, carved eye sockets. So it's kind of creepy when you first watch it, but then you realize you're watching a love story. Uh, but it's a love story that takes a very sad turn at the start. I don't think I'm spoiling it by saying that um, June is the name of your wife in the game, and the game is titled The Last Day of June. (laughs) And the game is about uh, you as the character who has lost his wife trying to find a way to change the way that last day went to to keep her alive. So you get to play as four other characters who live in the tiny town that you live in, Mm -hmm. and you replay that day, and you go, well, what if this person had done that? And what if this person had done that? Would would that not be the last day of Mm -hmm. June? And I won't spoil the ending. But uh, but um, very, very touching experience and lavishly beautiful yeah. to look at. So uh, if you have any of those devices, even if you don't normally play games, I'd say it's a really accessible game and it won't suck up your whole life. Yeah. Um, check it out the last day of June. Interesting. All right. All right, guys. What have you got? This is mine. Um, my recommendation is something close to my heart. Um, it's actually close to my reproductive organs. Whoa. Uh, <laughs> when I was 23, I was diagnosed with stage four endometriosis. Um, it was diagnosed when I had trouble falling pregnant, ultimately requiring me to have IVF to conceive um, my daughter, our daughter, which I called the little nib chick because my <laughs> Instagram handle is the fine nib chick. Are you recommending having children? Is that Sure, if you want to. <laughs> Only if you want to. Yeah. <laughs> um, it also leaves me in various states of chronic pain uh, each day. I mention this because more than 10% of Australian women suffer from endo, probably someone you know, and March is endometriosis awareness month. I'd like to recommend you go to endometriosisaustralia.org and we'll put the link in the show notes and read the about endometriosis page. There are 10 facts about endo that might help you or someone you know or love understand the disease a bit more. You can also purchase t-shirts that support endometriosis Australia. I'm wearing mine right now. You can't see it, but I'm a straight 10 in this t-shirt. I'm I'm like a solid nine without it, but you'll have to take my word for it. Um, yeah, that's what I want you to do. That's amazing. I, I have a friend who lives with endometriosis yeah. as well, so now I have two. There you go. <laughs> um, so, yeah, that's just something small. That wraps up this episode of the Nib Section podcast. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Future episodes of this podcast can be found at thenibsection.com and wherever you listen to podcasts. Hop onto iTunes, rate us, review us, recommend us to your friends. Want to share your thoughts, suggestions, feedback? We'd love to hear from you. Email us at thenibsection 
at gmail.com. You can also comment at us on the Nib Section Facebook page or at Nib Section on Twitter and Instagram. The Nib Section is the official podcast of Fountain Pens Oceania. Our producers this episode were Mel Sanders. Recording and editing was done by Mel Sanders and Diana Dye. Special thanks in this episode goes to Kevin Yank. Our music was composed by Michael Pierce. Our logo was designed by Will H. Smith and artwork by Melissa Graff. Thanks for listening. <laughs>